This, 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 this is mythical. Ear Biscuits is supported by Apartments.com. And if you're looking for an apartment, you know, there's you should get in touch with what it is that you can get most excited about. Maybe that's an apartment with a balcony mm. or windows that face a sunset. Oh, I mean, if you're really gonna get into thinking about it because you are gonna live there. Hardwood floors in the kitchen maybe. Mm. Well, apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place with powerful search tools to help find a rental listing that checks all your specific unique boxes. They have powerful tools like amenity filters to make sure your possible future home has all the amenities you need like in-unit washer dryer, air conditioning, dishwasher, balcony. Oh, did you say balcony? Did you say elevator? Some oh. people love a good elevator. Or save searches. You can favor the listings that stood out to you so that you can revisit them and won't lose what could be an amazing future home. I, I like the idea of like one of those things that's usually on top of a barn that says what direction the wind's blowing. Oh, a wind uh, thing, thing. With a rooster. Yeah. Yeah. That. Visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV. Like an adventure ready RAV4, available with all wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So, visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. This week at the round table of dim lighting, it's still not that dim, and we're still not at the table because we're still at our own homes. How do you think the How table's long doing? How is this going to last? I think the table's huh? just sitting in there in the studio, just oh, being I'm sure a it's table. doing fine. Yeah, it's doing good, man. It's lonely. Sadly, like a lot of people these days, don't mean to start on the downer. We are going to talk about. The silver lining. We're going to try to be positive and we're going to look to the future. And what type of impact does this experience going through uh, weathering this virus? What, what lasting effects is it going to have? What ripple effects is it going to have? How is it going to impact the future of our lives indefinitely? And like you said, I think in a, in a positive way, because I mean, one of the things that has been helpful for me as I get anxious, get fearful, yeah. get frustrated with the fact that we're, you know, cooped up in the house, um, mm -hmm. is to think about the good that will come from this. And I do, I think there's going to be, there's quite a bit, there's quite a bit to be excited about in terms of the future. It's growing Yeah, pains. I've got a number of thoughts related to different categories as i'm as i'm adapting to this new lifestyle of staying at home with my immediate family i'm 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 starting to take note of things it's like wow this is 
this is different, but it's not worse. This is better. I wonder if I'm going to keep this habit even after things change. So, you know, I've got, I got a number of things that, that I'll bring up. Um, and then, you know what, this can serve as kind of like a time capsule episode where we go back to and we see how right or wrong we were. Do you have any bold predictions that you're prepared to make? Um, well, I, uh, my prediction is that at some point I won't be in the corner of my living room making this podcast as, as is evidenced just by the fact that right at the beginning of this recording, when I got, when, when I, which I had to do every time we get ready to do anything in here is I'm like, okay guys, I'm recording. And then the thing that came back, well, one person said, noise. I think my wife said, can't we live our lives? And then I think my son said, why don't you do this in the garage? So again, the family has still not adapted to what's happening, even though I, I mean, I, I hate to drive this. And you're point not talking home. about the virus anymore. You're I'm, talking about your job. Yeah, I, what, being in there. Interestingly, faces. you know, my my job is is actually an important part of of, of the family dynamic. <laughs> Last time I checked. <laughs> now my wonderful, beautiful wife is standing at the top of the steps uh, down into our sunken living room and just staring at me incredulously. Uh, because she's listening. She looks great. She's got her Jason Isbell shirt on that has a dinosaur on it. Uh, Why are you reducing her to only what she looks like? <laughs> well, I'm not doing that. I'm just, I just know I know what she likes. I know, I know how she likes me to talk about her. <laughs> I love you. I love all Thanks, of right? you. I love all of you. You're all great. Now go away. Well, um, one of the things that I have been... Uh, that has been an immediate change for me is the way that we're approaching food. I think this is the case for people all over the world. Now, we are in a very privileged position because we still have access to all the food that we want, essentially, right? I mean, you may not get as many things yeah. as readily as you got them in the past, and we're making do with a little bit more. We're cooking for ourselves a lot more than we normally do. We're eating leftovers, which this is going to sound pretty privileged, but we, most of the leftovers at our house get eaten by the adults. Like I'll yeah. eat leftovers. Right. My kids are spoiled rotten, man. They're like, if, I'll eat leftovers. If, 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 if another day comes, the next day comes, and we're like, we're having leftovers, the look of grief and disappointment on my children's faces is just a sign that they're spoiled rotten. Um, but now, now we, we, we don't have, have a choice a night, at this point. We would have a night of the week that would be left overnight, and we tried to make it into something that seemed more like an event. Like Christy would say things like, "It's left overnight," you know, and and you're how that like, go am I supposed to cheer? It's not usually cheers. No. Um, but yeah, there now there's a heightened sense of. Okay, there's a little bit of this left. I'm a I'm a Tupperware that thing up and I'm gonna put it away. And then you're, you know, because you just don't know when you're gonna get some of that from the grocery store again. Like a little bit of, we had. I mean, we are occasionally ordering takeout. It's a stressful time, especially after that I mean, video either, that Ellie sent around. Ellie shared a video. Uh, there's this one yeah. doctor. I guess he's in Seattle who. Uh, a lot of people he, he, he's had a, a few videos go viral, but 
he, he talks about what you should do when you bring groceries home and what you, when you bring takeout home. And and I shared that video with a little, you know, our friend chat group, which Jesse of yeah. course is in. And she was like, you cannot share this video with someone who has OCD because they will just go down this rabbit hole. So I said, and okay, never come back. I'll be yeah. the one to be responsible for the disinfection process when things come through the door. It's very, it's very stressful. I mean, it's one thing when you've got like a couple, like two bags of carry out, but it's another thing when you order groceries and they show up. Like yesterday we had groceries show up, which by the way, we had ordered probably five or six days in advance. And so you're, you're trying to figure out what you're going to be out of and you're going to, you're trying to figure out, well, if, if they don't have this, then they're going to try to substitute. If they don't have anything, I'm trying to get something else just so we got we have well-rounded meals. Now, Christy handled that order, but I knew how stressful it would be when all that was dropped off at the door. And I was like, I'll, I'll be on the front lines of kind of bringing this stuff in. Yeah, so we bring in all the bags. We put them down on the floor in the, in the kitchen. You tell me if you go through this much trouble. And then I pull out all the items that are packaged, put them in a pile, throw away the bags and then spray down and then wipe down every square inch of everything that's prepackaged that's that's potentially been handled that's coming into the house i mean it's it's a uh you know it was a, it was a lot of groceries so it was like for five people so it was like a half hour process to get this thing done and it's very stressful because you start to feel like you start to feel like you're 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 exiting some sort of nuclear contamination zone, you know? It's and I to to me, I, I mean that's one of the first things I've been thinking about is as much as I overthink everything, now I've been thinking about the level of contagion, how easily things can be spread and all the things that I'm touching, it's like, I mean, this is, this is, I'm sure, a common experience to a lot of people. And I just don't know if that's going to go away when this, when this virus is in the past. Well, you know, I'm, I mean, am I, am I going to be a fist bumper? Am I going to be a, am I going to be somebody who brings in the groceries and wipes them down? No, you're, I don't no, think I'll be wiping out no, the groceries. Well, no, because that I'll, would be, un, that would be irrational. I mean, the, well, I know, but. But I will be thinking about it more often. Yeah, well, I mean, like not not handshaking or touching people for. Such well, a long yeah, let, time. well, let's 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 wait. Let's wait to get into that because I think that there's a whole conversation we can have about like what this means about proximity to people and like greetings and stuff. But like going back yeah. to the groceries, I mean, first thing I, I will say because I don't want to alarm people. I don't want people to think that the process that you just outlined is necessary for everybody because, you know. Most of the the research or the research suggests that the virus does not easily spread through takeout food or through groceries. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a risk. It just means that a significantly lower risk than actually being in the proximity of somebody who is infected and breathing in like an actual, you know, droplet that's droplet. in the air. 
But that doesn't mean that there isn't some risk. So if you want to eliminate the risk or minimize the risk, then you can go the extra mile. Not doing you. You sound like you're doing exactly what the guy described described in the video. He 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 got yeah, all the way down. Yeah, once you send me the video, I'm gonna do exactly what's in the video. Yeah, but he was washing each piece of fruit for 20 seconds with soap. You're not doing that, are you? Uh, Christy handled that stuff, so I don't know if she went that far. We're just being probably did though. Like. We're trying to like leave the external bags and we're doing takeout like once to twice a week. We're trying to minimize that. But leaving those external bags on the porch and then when you can kind of empty out the contents of the of, of a package onto a plate or something like that and then throwing away that and wiping everything down, sticking to hot foods instead of cold foods. It, I just, what I'm trying to do is just mitigate it, minimize it, but knowing that you can't really eliminate the risk. But I mean, the thing that scares me more than anything is my, is like, if I have to be in close proximity with somebody, which I really haven't, the only during this. And so we're recording this on, um, what is it? The 31st of March that we're, when we're actually recording this. Yeah. Yep. And so, um, obviously you're still in, in, in lockdown. Lockdown's been sort of a federal lockdown has been pushed through the end of, April, California will probably go longer than that. I saw that the uh, governor of Virginia it said there was going to be a lockdown through June 10th, subject subject to be updated. But he went ahead and said to June 10th, a stay at home order. Really? Basically, the only the only thing that I've done is there was that one time I had to go over to the uh, creative house to accept the delivery of a desk. My desk finally came in. And I like met How'd the guy. How'd that go? I, well, I met the guys out in the, in the front and I stayed, I was like 20 feet from these dudes outside. And I was like, all right, guys, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to describe to you. I'm going to, I'm going to go inside. I'm going to open up the doors and leave them open so you can walk in. I'm going to come back out. I'm going to describe to you the room and the location that I want this desk to be set up in. And then I'm going to go into the backyard and I'm going to wait. So mm-hmm. in other words, I don't want to be in the same house at the same time. Because I've been doing good yeah. about this quarantine thing. Yeah. And now, first of all, they the two guys who were delivering and setting up the desk volunteer, they were like, well, we don't have it. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't say anything. Like, well, you typically asymptomatic. You could be the 25% or more people who are asymptomatic who have it but are still contagious. Or you could be the 100% of people who usually get the disease and have it are asymptomatic for the first two days, but also are contagious. But I didn't, I didn't break well, that out. I didn't want to be that guy. It's frustrating that it's just not getting through to people. Well, that's another that thing we'll talk you, about is people's inability or unwillingness to process the facts around this stuff. But anyway, so I, I, I said, um, I said all that. And then I'm in the backyard and the guy, he's like, uh, sir. And I'm like, oh no, they've run into a problem. And I and I and I kind of like stick my head into the living room, and I can see in the hallway, and I can see that they've got the desk sort of like stood up, and they're like, "This desk is not going to fit into that. We can't get it in there." And he was like, "I've been doing this for thirteen years," and at that point, it ain't gonna happen. I took a deep breath, and you told him to just put it in my room. Well, I actually, so nice no, desk. no, I I explored this option. I was gonna do this without oh, your yeah. permission. I was going to put my desk in your room and just switch our offices and see if you ever no- noticed. 
but it's not it's not the location of my office. It's the it's the width of the doors in the creative house are twenty nine inches, which are too small to get uh. anything in there. So you're 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 there's no room that it could fit in except the living room. So I told him to take it back. But before I told him to take it back, I went up to them. I held my breath and walked into the house. You know, I can hold my breath for quite some time. I had a conversation without breathing, which I have been practicing lately. Which we've discussed, yes. And uh, I was like, okay. It, by the time I was running out of breath, I was like, all right, you're right. I don't think this is going to fit. I just return it. And then I ran outside again. <laughs> you ran outside? <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I, your face is turning I blue. probably did breathe inside a little bit, so... But you know that was that was a week ago, and I'm 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 still feeling okay. I anyway. mean, I I I get as much delivered as possible, but I ordered takeout from this one place, and I I went to pick it up, and I I'd done this before, and you know you go in and they've got a rack and your stuff's on it, and you've we've already paid. There's no touching of credit cards or even signing of anything. And you just take it. But some people they're not they haven't figured all that out. So I get there and it's like. I got to sign a thing. I'm not, I didn't want to sign a thing. Now I'm touching this pen. Yeah, what the hell? Why are they, what, what is wrong with people, man? I don't understand like, why they just figure, can't get with the program. Figure it out. And then, even worse, it, they, they had this coffee bar, and that's where you went to pick up the stuff. But there was a guy sitting. You should have just said, I'm not like, signing the, it, by the way. Say, like, screw it. What are you going to do? Sue me? I'm not well, signing it. I, I signed it and I had my antibacterial spray and I immediately sprayed myself and walked out and sprayed myself again, sprayed my hand, you know, but sprayed myself. There was a guy, there was a guy who had gotten coffee and they gave it to him in a to go mug. And then he sat down in the aisle where everyone has to pick up. And he's like, just within a few feet of people. And he's an older guy. And he's talking to everybody that comes in because, I don't know, maybe he lives alone. He's probably lonely. He just sat there and they should have told him he had to leave. And here I am. And I'm like, am I the one to tell this guy, sir, you really don't need to be here for, the, for your health and the health of other people. Everyone has to come in too close proximity to you. And you're talking. You're and you're. Uh, what's the word when you like? You boom your voice. You're projecting. projecting. You're projecting your voice so that people can hear you at a distance, which is projecting stuff into the air, man. It's like... Well, just to give you an idea. This is why I didn't talk to the guy, because if I started talking to him, I didn't want to get angry with him. Yeah. So I didn't say anything. Well, and so there might be people who who think that... And we're going to talk about this. There might be people who think that uh, we're overreacting. That we're overreacting, that the experts are overreacting. But just to get you, what you're talking about with the projecting of the voices. So, did you hear about the, the chorus group that got together? 60 people got together no. like, you know, a week or two ago. I don't know. Before everyone really understood, the, maybe two, three weeks ago, before anyone really understood the seriousness of what was going on, they got together for one practice in a room, all singing, 60 people, 45 of them have tested positive for COVID-19. It, 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 being in the same room with people who are talking, much less singing. Projecting and singing. Um, just breathing. 
is a is is a risk. It's like this is it, again. It's is not. This isn't. It is not rocket science. It is science, but it isn't a mystery. It's not a surprise. As people, are, oh, you didn't know this was going to happen. We don't. This is a surprise. How quickly it's spreading. No, it's it is not. It's people have been talking about it the whole time. Why why are we so surprised? So all right, let's take a let's take a short break. And it's scary. It's I just want to get the scary part out of the way so that on the backside of this break we can be more positive because now I'm I'm worked up and I know with some of the stuff we're going to talk about we're going to get worked up again. So. Oh, I'm going to get worked up. It's, but you know, I'm I mean, get there's pe- there's people dying. I mean, you know, Joe Diffie is dead, man. Right. Poor guy. You know, it's like I I had a lot of good memories to Joe Diffie songs. I actually felt. Really sad, you know. It's like, but he does I mean, have a. He has the quintessential song about what to do to him after he dies. Prop though. me up beside the jukebox when I die. And if I, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. The main thing that I thought about <laughs> is the true. fact that I just don't feel as prepared as Joe Diffie. Are they going to do that to him? Are they going to? Is he currently propped up beside? Put some, put a stiff drink in my hand. Fill my boots up with sand. Sadly, and I'm not joking. I know it seems that we're making light of Joe Diffie's death. We're not. I think the reason that it's not going to happen is because of this damn virus. It's like if he had died in another way during normal times, they might actually be considering that. But there's no, you can't have a you can't. funeral. You can't have a funeral. I mean, you can have an online you talk funeral. Talk about famous people that you're fond of dying. I mean, there are heart wrenching, tragic stories. I just can't bring myself to read about them anymore of people, people's loved ones passing away. And it's, you know, I, I, let's not get into it, but it's, it's scary. And it's, it's taking too long to sink in. And it's taking, again, two weeks ago, it was said by the people who were trying to get it to sink in. It, it's, it's, it's not going to happen until people start dying, until people you love start dying. Yeah. That's what it takes. You know, it, we people. have this disconnect. We have this disconnect. You know, I I operate under this disconnect a lot. It's like you watch the news and you you hear about bad stories, and it's like that stuff happens to other people. It doesn't happen to me. It doesn't happen to people. I don't. It it must be a defense mechanism because uh, I'd like to think I'm not the only one who has that tendency. We talked about it some last week, but I think there's a number of reasons we can. And there, we, there's we a can number. Get into there's it. a number of reasons. Uh, but but first, I do think there's some positives. We'll get into that. We will get positive. Ear Biscuits is supported by the Farmer's Dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That that woman is crazy. <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized, vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready-to-serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with The Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash ear. 
Ear Biscuits is supported by Mountain Dew. We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year, but isn't it time you take a break from your normal boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, okay. having a blast while you file your taxes. What? No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, where you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice cold Baja Blast today at a store near you and for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so do not wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary. Open to US residents 18 and over, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15th, 2024, void where prohibited. So, so how do we want to get into some well some, po- some positivity? I, I I want to talk a little bit about um, just this idea of conservation and how that applies personally, and then what that might mean for for the world. Because oh, you talking you talking about like leftovers? Yeah. Well, I, I'm not going back to that specifically, but I am saying that it has made the scarcity, or at least the uh, perceived scarcity, of some of these goods toilet paper for who knows why being one of the (laughs) chief ones that there's a perceived scarcity of toilet paper. That's not actually true. There's just a few people who have it all. And I don't think they've got especially dirty buttholes. I just think they got, they got panicked. Um, Yeah. This perceived scarcity has changed the way that I approach my, my meals, but also the amount of, you know, toilet paper. I do use uh, paper towels. Like the McLaughlin family is, we can go through a sapling's worth of paper towels, like in a meal. Sometimes, just just a disregard for how much we are consuming. And this is a problem in America. This is a problem in the Western world. But the thing is, is that you know, as these these developing nations become industrialized, and they kind of move into this you know, consumer-based culture, they're all consuming at the same rate, right? We know that's a problem. Like, the, the earth has been sort of shouting for a while, like, this is a problem. There's not enough if you're all going to act this way. But it makes me think, as I was trying to evaluate what, how, what did, what's this doing to me personally, I was thinking about Jesse's grandmother, who died last year. I think she was 92. Um, so she was basically born right around the, the, the time of the Depression, and she had this tendency to be incredibly like she would conserve in like ways that we would laugh at. Like she would put aluminum foil over some food and then she would like serve it. And then she would take the aluminum foil off and she would wash it and she would fold it back up and put it back in the drawer. I mean, this woman used yeah. aluminum foil over and over again. In fact, one time, one Christmas, her uh, sister... Aunt Betty got her aluminum foil or tin foil, as they called it, as we called it in the South, yeah. for Christmas. It's like <laughs> that was your Christmas present, and those things that <laughs> so seem, that she could throw it away more readily, or just because <laughs> just because she knows how much she values it. It's just like toilet paper has become currency. Um, 
I it's, haven't bought anything with toilet paper. You could try it. I could. If you if you draw a picture of George Washington on it, it'll definitely work. Um, oh. but yeah, just this idea that it's like, hmm, there is a limited amount of stuff, but not just that. But I think it draws into focus for me <clears throat> this idea that the steady stream of goods is always going to be there. Like we took it for granted that everything that we need is always going to be there. You don't have to stock up. You don't have to have extra of anything. You don't have to be prepared for anything. Now, you know me and being a prepper light, I do have quite a bit of stuff ready. <laughs> but it's not lifestyle it, stuff. Yeah, but it's like emergency. I haven't gone into any of it yet because it's just like so freeze-dried food. But do you think, so you're saying that you think this will affect your lifestyle moving forward? I think it will, and I think... I think it will, um, my hope is that it will change the way our kids, you know, because I, I think the only people who really have a sense of, of this are probably boomers because they, they were at least they can kind of remember a time where things were a bit, little bit less available. But mm-hmm. they, they've all bought into the same lie that, we, that we've all bought into, that we can get whatever we want whenever we want it. And it doesn't, and damn the consequences. It doesn't matter what that means about people. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it means about the earth, you know. But I think we're beginning to see that no, there's consequences to that hyper consumerism. It, it not just this idea of conservation as a well. I don't know if it's going to be there, but just beginning to examine. Hold on. It's not that the supply. It's not just that the supply chains are susceptible to things like a virus. It's not that the fact that we've got a global economy and we're and we're getting our stuff from other places that then could be affected, and we're all interdependent, and that's and we're susceptible to certain things. That's all true. But it just makes for me. There's been a few things through that throughout this that have just kind of begun to seem a little gross, and one of them is this this idea that. We can have whatever we want, as much of it as we want, whenever we want. It just seems like but if an it irresponsible doesn't get practical, idea. it's not going to take hold. Like I think it has to come down to okay, I'm out of paper towels. I cannot get more paper towels, so I'm going to start using hand towels, and then I'm going to put them in the laundry. What we have a few rolls of paper towels left, and I'm thinking about just taking them out. Because we have we have hand towels, yeah. And once you discover a hand towel works just as good as a paper towel, it's just especially if you're a kid and you're not the one doing laundering the the hand towels. There's no impact to you, you know. Except okay, now that I've wiped up this thing or I've wiped my hands or whatever, I don't know where to put it. Oh, you got well, you need to hang it up <laughs> and let it dry, and you can use it again. You don't. You don't have to just throw it away. So it's really just a habit. And it's once you exchange to doing the hand towels and you get used to it for a few weeks or a few months, I think at that point, then you can say, you know what? Let's not go back. Um, I'm using much less toilet paper. I'm I'm using my bidet to a whole new level. Oh, the bidet is you know, the I was, smartest thing I've ever bought in my life. But I, I realized how much toilet paper I was still using in combination with my bidet. And I'm like, you know what? I shouldn't have to use two squares. And that's just to 
just to dab off. Just well, to there dry is off. there is an air dryer, but it takes forever. It takes too long, and it doesn't doesn't really work. And also, that it kind of well. sends but, toilet stank throughout your room. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. It, it can't be an ideological change of mind. It has to be a habitual change of mind. And I think as the weeks go on, that's what will make the difference. Um, so, but then I think there's, and I think that's positive. I think another positive, when I'm talking about the groceries coming in and, you know, I'm talking about how stressful that is and everything, but I'm also thinking, you know what? It it took me 30 minutes to wipe everything down, but in the long run, when this is over, I'm not going to be wiping anything down. And by the way, how long would it have taken to shop for all these groceries that I just spent all this time wiping down if they weren't delivered to me? I saved all of that time. Man, grocery delivery is pretty nice. Even if I don't get exactly what I want, they swap it out with something else. And there's a little bit of a surprise. You don't know exactly what you're going to get. Ooh, look at what I got today. It feels like I'm going back to a milkman experience, man. I always wonder what that would be like. Ooh, look, the milkman's here. I wonder what kind of milk I got. Is it strawberry? Is it chocolate? Did they do that? I don't think so. I think it was mostly just milk. Unless your milkman was a Nesquik rabbit. Mine wasn't, because I never had well, one. Well, th- there's some people who I know they, they, they do like the, the, the grocery delivery, but the vast, vast, vast majority of people don't do, don't do that. You go and you shop for your groceries because, well, you know, I'll remember something else that I need, or this will strike my fancy. But we're actually learning, even with so many things being swapped out, that like we had a crap ton of groceries come yesterday, mm-hmm. and it's going to last us a few weeks because we're trying to minimize the amount of touch points that we right. have with new deliveries. I think that's something that's going to keep going. Like, I mean, the way that shopping has moved to Amazon over the past five years. The, whenever I want something, the first thing I think is Amazon, except for groceries. And I think this is putting me over the edge to like have groceries delivered. So but I it, think that's another well, silver lining. Well, but how, okay. But that's, I, I find that somewhat problematic, right? Because the, the whole Amazon thing, you know, Amazon has its own uh, issues that it, it's dealing with. You know, I think that any, yeah. any, any major company like that that is trying to serve that many people and do it for profit? I'm not saying order is, from Amazon. I'm saying order from your local grocery well, store. Well, no, well, yeah, I'm no, saying but, that happens. No, I but, I, but I'm saying you have to you have to evaluate 
like that may make your life easier and it may get you off of the road, but it is also putting a delivery person on the road, meaning that from like a carbon standpoint, I, I, I don't, I, mean, I don't know. I've, ne- I've never looked into this. I don't know which one is more, but I think one of the things is like, I have a tendency, for instance, when I order stuff from Amazon, as I think of it, I'll just order it. And it just, it's, it's one trip. It's one box. Whereas yeah. there's a, there's a more responsible way to do that, to put things into a larger order. Just, just a, that's a small thing that then, okay, I can make this one trip from one delivery person as opposed to three or four. Um, but I, I do think that some of the, but I, but what I'm asking is what we're really talking about what in the future, what, it, what, are, how are our future lives going to be different because of this experience? And I'm just saying, I'm going to be ordering a bunch of things that I didn't order before. I think groceries is, is the chief amongst those. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's talk about what you were talking about earlier, which is, um, we can get back more into the, like the societal financial science stuff in a second, but the, the greedy, like the, 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 yeah, the, like, the idea, um, the idea of, of greeting. Cause I mean, obviously at some point, well, I don't think I'll ever go back to a handshake. Okay. Just to put it simply. Well, and cause there's an acceptable alternative for it. But, but, but before we get to the handshakes right. though, just the idea of being in close spaces with people. Right. Um, I mean, one of the things that I, I've been noticing is as I watch television, and I see groups of people, like crowded yeah. places. I can't help but think about the virus. Now that's that's going to go away. Like we're not going to yeah. be a species that no longer gathers together in public spaces. But I mean, this particular, you know, depending on who you talk to, I mean, and there's a range of predictions, but we're pro- this is probably going to be something that subsides a little bit over the summer and then comes back again in the fall. It looks like it's going to have some seasonality to it. We're not going to have a vaccine by the fall, I doubt. I mean, that would be an unprecedented timeline. Maybe that'll happen, but it doesn't look like it will. And so we may actually be dealing with it even a year after that. So this particular virus may be something that affects public gatherings for 18 to 24 months. But... I think eventually when we get past this, we're going to be thinking differently about it. But the thing is, and again, comparisons. Between- how are we going? Here's how I'm going to be thinking differently about it. I'm not going to shake hands. I'm not going to be touching railings. I'm like all the stuff that everybody touches. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to have an instinct to not touch those things because now I have an appreciation for how easily things can be on, how germs can be on there. Like, I'm going to be more of a germaphobe, man. I'm, I think I'm just going to, I'm going to have my hand in my sleeve and I'm going to be opening doorknobs or I, I already, whenever I would push on a door, I would, I would think about the place where the least number of people push, especially yeah. children. So I, I'll reach really high and then push on. Oh, a yeah, door. I, yeah, I do I've that been doing that for years, but I didn't, I didn't even, I couldn't even tell you exactly why I was doing it. I was like, yeah, cause a lot of people touch there and that's gross. But I, I hadn't really made the connection that now is like firmly in place. That's there is something there that then will be on me that then will go in my mouth. I'm, I'm how I'm Mandela in this thing, man. Well, but the question I don't is, think is I'm that ever going to go all the way back? But my question is, is 
if everyone began to, I'm split on this because I feel like if everyone behaves in this hypervigilant way during normal times, not now, but during normal times, everybody's using hand sanitizer, everybody's avoiding each other, nobody's talking, nobody's touching, nobody's shaking hands, nobody's touching doorknobs and stuff like that. Everybody's putting hand sanitizer on every surface. Um, I need to talk to an expert on this, but my my thought is that that may make us as a species long term more susceptible to things. I mean, one of the reasons, you know, one of the reasons that when, if you read Guns, Germs, and Steel, you see that one of the reasons that the Western Europeans, uh, when they came to America, they very few of them died, and many of the Native Americans died was because because the Native Americans did not have doorknobs. Yeah, they they had been living in these open spaces and they weren't like crowded together, but all the western Europeans had been in cities and gathered together so they had all this resistance to viruses. We're going to keep these viruses are going to keep coming. You're you going to have a lot more deaths from falling because people aren't going to be using handrails. That's people that's aren't going to be that's a, that's people a, aren't going to be steadying to themselves. Like I'm going to this is how I'm going to go now. Because of this, but this I, experience, but I'm, what I'm, I'm going to fall down something. No, but what I'm telling you is it. that if everyone does what you're doing, it may actually make us more susceptible to the next round because there will be another round. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I will have fallen downstairs before that happens. But yeah. But uh, it makes me think differently society, about, it makes me think differently about just flu season in general. I don't, I don't think about flu season now. And I know that comparisons between COVID and flu are unhelpful, very unhelpful, um, but the fact is, is that the seasonal flu, if, if it's a bad one, kills thousands of people. And, well, it kills people every year, sometimes tens of thousands of people. And I don't get the flu shot. I, I mean, I very rarely get the flu shot. But, but, and the reason I don't get it is because I, I feel personally invincible. So I, I think like, oh, I might get the flu, but it's not going to kill me. Uh, this is, I have to make an appointment. But... Now I'm thinking about my own, I'm not just thinking about my own situation, I'm thinking about how I contribute to everyone's yeah. situation. So me I never getting, thought about the flu shot. Yeah, me in, getting in, the flu shot is not about me, service. it's about society. Getting the flu shot is about the people who I might come in contact with that are susceptible and not being the a-hole who's like, oh, I might get the flu and then I might interact with someone who's susceptible and, and they die. It's like, oh, it's that that's a big change for me but i but i do think it is going to also i think the greeting thing is is a big thing because there's currently an alternative and i there's no way there's zero chance that shaking of hands and getting together and getting really close to each other in large and in, in, in tight environments is going to be a regular thing in 2020 like that's not coming back in 2020 hmm. Hmm. you know i'm i'm not saying there won't when be some gathering back, but think, it's not coming back soon i mean when you when concerts and going to the movies and parties start happening again, boy, I think there'll be a little bit of time where we appreciate it. And then there'll be time when we're old, when we'll say, oh, I, you know, you can go to parties anytime you want, but there was a time when we couldn't do that. Couldn't was party. You had a party in your couldn't house party. on a video chat. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What about video chats? How do you think um, video chats, which are, I mean, everybody's doing it. You I tend come to, to enjoy with. you more v- via video chat. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe we can conduct our whole relationship like this. You don't mean that. That's just a I funny can't, thing that you said. I can't hear you chewing. Interestingly, even though you got those earpods what? in. I was eating cereal. When we were doing, last week we were doing the test, the technical test, I was eating cereal and you seem to be able to hear it yeah, viscerally. I, could, I, I actually, I could quite a bit. For some reason, I could. Because it's. Oh, you know the reason I couldn't really hear it when we recorded that GMM? Because you were, you were eating liquid, you were drinking liquids. You weren't chewing. Yeah, I wasn't chewing it. So I take that all back. That's I'd rather right. be in person. <laughs> I'd rather be next to you. I I think I think it's good for relate. I think a whole group of people, I think the majority of people are realizing that they can can conduct a meaningful conversation and a meaningful relationship on a screen. Mm-hmm. And I just think that a lot of people who were making phone calls before are going to be making video chats moving forward. Well, think about the video chat that we had with our close friends from college. You know, we we have been in contact, loose contact with these guys who are like our best friends in college. And, you know, many, many For months, months via text. Many, many months would go by where we wouldn't, there would be no contact at all. But then we recently right. reconnected and we started like a WhatsApp chat. And then during all this, since everyone has sort of figured out the video chat thing, we were like, let's do, we're like, let's we do a do Zoom it. call. And nothing changed about our proximity. It wasn't like we used to be together like last year and now we're apart. It's like, no, we went to college together, but we got on and we had this, you know, we talk to each other. And I think people are getting over the awkwardness of it. I think there's the technological barrier, like, I don't know how to do it, you know, which everyone can do it at this point. Young and old can do it. But also there's an awkwardness to to a video chat that... That you get over. I think everyone is being forced to get over it really quickly. Yeah, so I I think... It, it's drastically accelerated that type of relationship and that type of connection. I mean, I, I think about how far I am from family members, and I just think that there's a there's a, a greater chance of being more connected when this thing is over as a result of this, which is which is nice. You know, I mean, the kids have started schooling over video chats, and they're figuring all that out and making sure, you know, that they remember that people can see them. And that people can hear them unless they turn their camera off. You know, it's like, it's this new awareness of whenever I'm in front of a screen, people are going to start to assume that they're being watched versus the opposite. Because we're going to learn that lesson. Well, and also the the idea of I think that's something we won't go back. And we'll we'll have this comfort level with being seen and heard and basically watched whenever we're on a screen. It'll be the exception, uh... It'll be the rule, not the exception. But people are learning their lesson. I don't know if you saw uh, there was that Zoom chat <laughs> that the video, a, a portion of the video from it went viral a couple of weeks ago where there, there was a work video chat and one of the women on the call like has her computer and then all of a sudden like you see her get up and walk like down the hall and then all of a sudden she sets the 
laptop down on the bathroom floor. The camera is pointing right up at her. She pulls in her pants and pees. What? Yes. <laughs> and like you hear, there, and there's the, the the main person who's talking, who's like leading the discussion, starts like, who slows down a little bit and everybody starts looking and like covering their mouths and laughing and stuff. <laughs> why didn't they, t- why didn't they say, hey, Tina. Well, no, she like looks down. Princess girl. She like looks down while she's peeing and sees her legs on the screen, and like then suddenly like closes the laptop. Oh my gosh! People are well. And another example of my dad was uh, um, in a call with, with with some people recently, like a Zoom call, and like he, he and like his, you know, people in of you know in his sixties and seventies who he's also having these meetings with. Um, yeah, they. Uh, they started, well, his friend was like, okay, I'm hosting this Zoom call and we're going to start the meeting at like six o'clock, but you can get on the Zoom call at any time that you want to kind of like just talk or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like my dad goes on there at like four o'clock just like to check and make sure everything's working. And like he can hear this guy and his wife having a conversation in their house because they haven't muted <laughs> themselves. So I think one oh, of the man. things that's going to happen is people... There's this adjustment period. People are going to be caught doing and saying things about other people. That thing that always happens sometimes yeah. when you realize that you're you're saying something about someone that you wouldn't want them to hear, and then you're like, "Hold on, did I accidentally butt dial them right before this this happened?" Like, that's, or is this conference call muted? Yeah. Did I hit mute, or did I hit mute and unmute really quickly, and now I'm saying something that they're hearing? Yeah, I mean, and. Lily was watching this TikTok sketch last night and I happened to look over her shoulder and it was some some girl, of course, that she didn't know. She wasn't dancing. She was doing something comedic, which is nice. She was crying for 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 the laughs. Why is this girl crying? Well, then she goes on to talk about how when you're in your classroom chat, if you like read the fine print, it says this. Well, when you're in, in your your video classroom, that the chat feature on the side is permanently recorded and the teacher can see that. Not only can the teacher see after the fact the entire chat that's taking place, they can also see the private messages between students in the classroom. On Zoom? I actually don't... Or on Google On Zoom. I don't know. I don't know which, and I actually don't know if it's true. But she was making fun of it, and I kind of can believe it. But again, I don't know for that sure. Seems, that I, seems that seems like a flaw in the system if that's the case. Well, being able to see the the classroom chat. Well, that seems right. Later, as the, as the host seems right. But the private but like messages? direct messages. They're just direct messages between students. It's like, yeah, should a teacher be able to hear what two students are whispering to each other in the back of the classroom? No. Maybe. I don't think so. I don't think so either. So maybe she was wrong and it's just sending shockwaves through TikTok. And also to me, you'd have to look into that yourself. But that's one thing. Uh, working from home. That's another thing. I mean, first of all, I, I do not like it. I'm sure there are people who are discovering that they can work from home and they can get everything done and they can. Those people don't have children. There's more. Yeah. There's more freedom associated with it, or whatever. I mean, it is going to change the the workplace landscape. There's going to be there's going to be there, there's savings associated with it, at, de- depending on the the business, I guess. 
Um, oh, I think one of the biggest changes that'll take place. I mean, yeah, definitely people who have like brutal commutes will um, find ways to work from home because a lot of people are instituting work from home policies out of necessity. Now, some businesses can't continue to function working from home, but a lot of them can. And so those people who kind of discovered- and once you find a way for weeks, yeah, and you're like, I must, I at, at least give me my Friday at home and my Monday. Yeah, kind of well, and it I, may, it actually makes decisions. It's, it's it can be a beneficial thing for a, a lot of for a lot of reasons because you got somebody who's working from home, therefore they're not driving, you know, so they're not they're not contributing carbon to the to the atmosphere by driving, but they're also not wasting an hour or two hours, whatever, just being on the road, and so they they've got more free time. And then the employer, if that person doesn't actually have to be present, the employer doesn't have to provide a space for them, which means mm-hmm. a smaller building. Like there's there, there's a there's a definitely a lot. But I think that one of the practical ways that it'll be implemented is right now, when you're sick, one of the reasons you stay home is because you feel like crap. Another reason you stay home is so you don't become you you, you don't affect other people. That is going to happen a lot more. People are going to be like, I'm sick. I actually think I could probably work. But it would be irresponsible for me to go in. And also, I can do my job from home and I can go into this meeting via video conference. Having people who are at home sick or just needed to stay home to do something because they had a doctor's appointment or because they needed to watch their kid, suddenly those people, it's not going to be weird to pipe them in on a video conference because we will all have the experience in doing it. And it's not like, oh, the person on the video chat is somehow less of a contributor or less significant because we all remember that time when we were all on video chats. I think that that's going to be a huge, huge change. It's going to change the way sick leave is looked at because you're going to be able to stay home and you're sick, but you're still working. And and we're going to have to figure out what, what does that mean for how do you, for hourly employees? What does that look like? What does that mean? All right. And I'll, I'll shift it one more time because I, I know you want to talk about this, but so I'll just tee it up. The, the view of science and scientists, what they're, what they're saying to us. Yeah. Well, I hope that that changes in a positive way as a result of this. Because if you look back weeks ago at what, what, what science, what what science and scientists were saying about what most likely will happen, and now it is, and we didn't want to hear it, we didn't want to come to grips with it, and so we opted for it to get worse before we started to do enough. I hope there's a lesson learned there that translates into a silver lining. Well, there's definitely a lesson learned there. Okay, this has been. Very discouraging to me. This has been incredibly inf- infuriating, honestly. Now, I've been infuriated with people who refuse to listen to plain science for a long time. But this, the time scale of what we knew and then how yeah. we could, everything has been condensed and clarified in this situation. Now, this is a distinctly, it's not distinctly, but it is uh, very much an American issue, right? Like, I, I can't imagine what the rest of the world is thinking. They're like, you guys, there's so much like pride in being in America, being an American, but yet we're what we lead the world in in many ways is just almost aggressive ignorance. 
uh, it's like this isn't we're the really we're the only place in the world right now that's experiencing this this pandemic to this degree where people the general population has a, a distinctly polarized opinion about what's actually happening because of the the political polarization in our country which is just mind blowing to me now more and more people who who played it down uh, including our president are coming around to the reality and beginning to listen to the people who said this all along but the things that i've heard like it's the, and it's taken bodies in refrigerated trucks outside of hospitals for that to happen yeah right but the thing is is that but and i want to i just want to redeem that i want to redeem those those bodies I, you know i don't i want i want to know that we won't make these mistakes again go go ahead but i think that okay there's lots of people saying that no one knew this was going to happen i've heard that so many times no one could have known this was happening what are you freaking nuts no it we've been being warned about this for for so many people for so many years that this exact scenario with this exact timeline with the exact exponential curve of infections and deaths, even where it potentially would come from, like all this was very much written on the wall, said in TED Talks, written in books, written in articles, and anyone who was paying attention even a little bit should not have been surprised by this. Uh, but in one sense, it's very difficult to be prepared because if you think about it from a political standpoint, um, it would be very difficult especially in our country, to convince people that disaster preparedness on this level for a pandemic was worth investing in, right? It's like we're everyone's struggling to, to figure out what we're going to do with our money if somebody's like, guys, we're going to have a surplus of masks and ventilators. You're going to get votes for that? No, everybody's going to be like, you're crazy. Why are you spending all that money on something that it's not going to, it might not happen. So it took Probably an event. Probably won't happen. It took an event like this. But the thing is, is that because what we're talking about is I think there in, in America, there is this distrust of authority, which is a good thing, right? But there is a distrust of expertise, which is a bad thing. And people have lumped them together. So the whole idea of questioning authority, you know, people have talked like they're like, you can never do a lockdown in the U.S. like you did in China because we don't have an authoritarian government. And I think that, and also the whole point, like the principle, founding principle of America is independence from an oppressive government, right? And so I think that that's a healthy thing. I think that questioning authority is, is there's a healthy, positive place for that. But in the past generation or so, that has gotten conflated with questioning expertise and thinking that people who are experts in certain areas scientists, namely, are part of a deep state conspiracy for, on all, all sorts of issues. But again, they've been saying it from the very beginning. They were like, okay, this is when it's going to get here. There was literally a dude who said, this will be beginning to infect large numbers of people in the U.S. the week of March so-and-so or whatever. He said that in January. And you know what happened? That week is the week that it was like, oh, now we've got clusters. We've got community spread. Is he a prophet? Does he have a crystal ball? No, he just has studied this before. But that doesn't keep a bunch of stupid-ass people from going on Facebook and talking about something they have no idea about. 
Like the amount of drivel that has come out of people's mouths and off of people's keyboards, these armchair experts, it's like, I don't know about this stuff. I'm not going to claim to know about it. I, I, haven't re- I haven't read these books. I haven't studied this. But I can recognize when someone has and understand that, oh, they're all saying basically the same thing. There may be a range of projections, but they're all basically saying the same thing. They're all saying, this is going to seem like we're overreacting, but just trust us. These things operate according to very established principles, very established mathematical projections, and this is what's going to happen, and here's what we have to do to minimize that. And now, one of the things I'm already seeing is just because the level, the projections have come down, People are like, I told you the experts were wrong. They said that 2 million people were going to die, and now they're saying that 200,000 are going to die. See, science fails again. It makes me want to harm someone when I hear people say things like that. But Because the simple reality is the projections have changed because the practices that the experts suggested are being implemented. We want the projections to change. And some people and some governors and some leaders have actually said, we're actually going to get ahead of this and we're going to institute these things before they become a huge problem. We want the projections to change because we want people to actually do what the experts are suggesting. But again, there is this tendency to question, to be like, I think I might, I think I might know more than this. Because I have a communications degree. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, 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 don't, I don't understand. It, it's not it, just Southern people well, who have these opinions, by the way. But Well, the reason I go into that Southern accent is because that's where I'm from. And where I'm from, that's the best way to characterize that mentality. Now, so I, I, as a Southern man with a Southern accent, I have the right to go into a Southern accent to make fun of people. And I stand by that until it becomes offensive in 2025. And then I'll stop. Is that but, another prediction? So okay, but he, but he, can okay, any but he, positive but, come from this? I think that's well, my of course, the, yeah, I, yeah. I, I well, okay. So a couple of people have. I'm not. This isn't something I came up with. A number of people have uh, made this connection. But this is there's very little difference between this and climate change, right? Again, in America, it's the only nation on Earth where there's like a legitimate, like a large section of the population that doubts the reality of, of man-made climate change, that humans are causing climate change, and also climate change stands the potential to be catastrophic, and we're already beginning to see the effects, right? There's a huge group of people uh, driven by not science but ideology who think that this is just all a scam. When the people who have devoted their lives to studying this who are not part of a deep state, deep state conspiracy, who are just people who are after the truth, have been sounding the warning bells, and they've said, this is what's going to happen. These are the projections. This is the worst-case scenario. This is the best-case scenario, but this is the range of scenarios based on what we're doing right now. And if we don't adopt these drastic measures, then this many people could die. Now, it's not as precise, and it's not as short-term as the COVID-19 thing, but it's all the same factors are in play. You got people who don't know anything about 
the situation who go on a website and find some information and then parrot it on Facebook and everybody, you know, there's so much false information that is parroted. There's a, there's a, this idea that people who believe in climate change are part of a deep state conspiracy. There's a lot of people who are like, even if climate change is real, we can't implement the measures that the scientists are suggesting because it'll kill our economy. Again, another thing that is perfectly in line with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, just maybe, and it's, again, like you said, it's taking people being in refrigerated trucks for people to see this. These guys who were not motivated by anything other than a desire to understand and communicate the truth have been saying this have been warning us, and here's what's happening. See, what we said was going to happen is happening, and how to prevent it is exactly how we said we should prevent it. And yes, it is going to negatively affect the economy on some to some degree, but we'll get through it and we will recover. I just the don't... The same principles are in place. I would love to think that we as humans are, and especially as Americans, are learning our lesson to to listen to the scientist and to take action, to take drastic action for something that's that, that that's happening. Drastic things are happening, but you know, you see, you see glaciers melting. Who cares? You know, uh, you show the sad polar bear. It's hey, it's it's cyclical, man. Well, it's cyclical, and, and you. The, the wildfires, what, what, all, all the natural disasters, it's just, I, I'm just afraid that not enough people are going to learn a lesson from this to... Well, here's the, here's the great news. You don't have to have a lot of them learn their lesson. You just have to have enough to change policy. That's the beautiful thing about our country. I think- you don't have to have 98% of people agree. Right now, we have... We we have a political ideology in this country that while there are some healthy questioning authority things that come from that ideology, some other things have been glommed onto it, including this distrust of expertise. And so that group of people are driving policy and keeping real change from happening. But we were almost there. We were almost there as a country. We were moving, both parties were kind of aligned and said, this is a real deal. We need to take some action. And then 2016 happened and a lot of things are moving in the wrong direction. But what I'm getting at is I feel like this is going to impact some people's mentality to be like, hmm, maybe, maybe I shouldn't just read a book or go on a website and just suddenly think that, 97% 97% of the people who study this are wrong. I just don't know how catastrophic this needs to be. And it already is in many ways. People's lives are wrecked. People's, people are dying. People's, people's livelihoods are disintegrating. But I don't know how bad it needs to get for it to really shake us up permanently in order to be able to apply these lessons to climate change because it's it's so applicable but i'm just afraid that i don't know because the worse it gets the more money we're gonna have we're gonna have to spend and band together in order to rebuild the economy and we're gonna want to turn around and also spend a lot of money to um 
you know, all the support structures we're putting in place to get everyone back on their feet and to get the economy back on its feet are things that are part of the Green New Deal to to accommodate for people who are in industries which are harming the environment in order to give them a support structure to continue to be a to be a contributing part of the economy and society, you know, and not to for their lives not to their livelihood well, not to disintegrate. So it's just but you're gonna the, spend a lot of money to fix this this problem of COVID nineteen. Is there gonna be any money left over to spend on this initiative that like by the way, it's not something that's predicted that might happen. It it also is happening. That's something again. I, I, I the, the president keeps saying, "Hopefully, this won't happen again for centuries." It's like, dude, what? What? It's going to happen again. We knew that it was going to happen. They said it was going to happen, and it it's, it will happen again, and it will happen more often. Actually, the more we continue to grow, and there's more people, and being and conne- more crowded, travel and connections. I mean, it's a lot different right. than it was a hundred years ago. But I think that the uh, the good news, something that we can be hopeful about with what you said, is that, first of all, there are things happening as a result of this virus that directly impact carbon emissions, right? And I'm not just talking about, like, factories being shut down, which, you know, or, you know, all of a sudden there's no tourism in Venice, Italy, so the canals are clear for the first time in recent memory. That's not a sustainable thing. We don't want there to be no tourists. We want people to travel. We want people to make things. We do want the economy to come back. But... Something as simple as uh, thinking differently about consumerism and consumption, that is going to have an impact on just the amount of goods that are produced and what we think we actually need. And I think that that is going to have a positive impact on climate. This, so these supply chains being so global, which I think it's great that we're connected uh as humans and as and our, the imaginary borders that we place around ourselves, or we're, we're beginning to see that they are just that they're imaginary. You can't keep the virus out. The virus doesn't know that there's a border around your country. It doesn't see, see people the way that people see people. But, um, we necessarily will have to move manufacturing closer to the people who need those manufactured goods. And that is going to have a drastic impact because Basically, when we when all this stuff got outsourced globally and all the stuff is being produced in mass quantities and then shipped all around the world, all of that has increased carbon emissions drastically. But if we bring those supply chains back closer to home, it'll be good for local economies. It'll be good for the environment. So I think that I think that part of the economic recovery because of this could actually have some of those green technologies and strategies. So which ultimately will, in the long term, make us uh, healthier as an economy and be able to address the, the, the pressing problems of climate change. I'm trying to be hopeful. There is hope, Link. I'm trying to be hopeful. I'm trying to be positive. You know, it's like, I mean, it, that is the exercise. I mean, that is the challenge for all of us is to whether we're looking to the future or looking to the next five minutes is that we need to continue. And I'm, I'm shifting gears here in order to conclude this thing. It's our, it's our challenge to remain positive and to channel our energy into things that enrich our lives and the lives of other people. So, you know, how many weeks is this going to go on? I don't know. We're going to keep having these discussions every week. Be a part of it. Hashtag Ear Biscuits. Let us know what you think about um, these light predictions that we've made. 
but also, you know, I just want to take it as an opportunity to encourage you to, to, to love yourself and love those around you. And if, and, if, and that includes the people around you via video chat, um, to, to, to just channel your energy into things that enrich your lives and the lives of others. Um, and continue to find the silver linings. I think with where we are, I, I don't know that we did a great job of it today. You know, it's like, I, I, I tend to have this like frustration, like when I think about everything we've been talking about, there's, there's still a lot of frustration that's coming out and, um, it's it's hard to have a lighthearted discussion when these things are going on, and I th- yeah, and I, but think I think it's good I think to be. The I think these things are. I think these things. It's good to be frustrated about these things. Yeah, uh, because we deserved better, you know, than the response that we've gotten, and people should have been more responsible. People should have listened to the experts. You shouldn't have to see people die in order to believe that someone who has devoted their lives to studying something that is pretty well understood were telling you the truth. You know, so it, it is something to get upset about because, pe- listen, people, that mentality, the mentality of not believing experts has directly led to an untold number of deaths already. Yeah. And it will continue to lead to more deaths. So that's something that's worth being upset about. Yeah. It's okay to be upset about that. That's right. But again, like you said, Joe Diffie's death will not be in vain because, you know, ironically, when people see that these, these people that they look up to that they loved die, whether they be, it, it, everyone will know someone yeah. who suffered from this. And many people will know someone who died personally. But you'll also people who have created things that you that you love are going to die from this, and I think little by little it's sinking into more and more people. And I there's no way that that can't have some sort of charitable impact on people. So it won't be all in vain. Uh, I'll give a recommendation. It's my week. Uh, if you haven't hunkered down and watched Lord of the Rings, get your hand on the extended versions. You got you know the longer the movie, the better, and the the versions that we watched were the extended ones. And then we started watching the extras, which is my actual recommendation because we've already made the recommendation of the movies. Well, do you know my, how long my, my the, family's the going extended through, through the extras now? But do you know how long the extended version of Return of the King is? Um, let's see. It goes from like three hours to three and a half. It's four hours and 52 minutes. What? I bought it last night. Because I, I had the DVD set, extended edition, and you know me, I was, I'm, I've cleaned out so much stuff over the past few years, and like I just get so aggressive. I got rid of them because they weren't, they weren't Blu-ray, and I was like, I can just rent them online. Well, it turns out you can't. You have to buy the extended version, especially if you want to see all the extras. You can see some of them on YouTube, which we've watched, but they're like varying quality. I don't know how you get your kids to sit through that. They love I mean, it. My even, kids, regardless Christy of how good the it, movies are, but my kids love. No, these my kids, my kids, it's like, like fifteen my kids hours love of the extras. Movies. Well, no, but I'm talking about the length of the movie. So my kids love the movies, but then like we'll be getting into the third hour, and they're like, "How long is this movie, Dad?" 
Like it isn't like I'm ready to stop watching it, but it's like they don't watch things that are that long. And the idea of them yeah. watching a movie for four hours and 52 minutes. Well, I would divide it up into three sittings, which we you have, again, you, you can do that. But my kids are really getting hooked on the production. Like I think they're all wanting to be like movie producers now. May change their mind next week, but like it's the most in-depth behind the scenes footage of any movie. And there's no movie as worthy of it as Lord of the Rings, in my opinion. So I think it's worth the $50 to buy the whole and make sure you get the extended version, not the theatrical version when you buy the Blu-ray DVDs so that you get the extended scenes as well as the extras. That's my rec, man. Hashtag Ear Biscuits. Yeah, we'll keep talking. We're not, we promise that we're, you know, we're not going to keep talking about the virus. There are other things happening and there's other things to talk about. Uh, so we'll talk about something different next week. Or maybe we and, won't. Uh, I don't we'll know what we're going to talk about next week. Well, but we'll also invite you into the conversation because I, I really enjoyed when we, uh, we talked about everybody's uh, secret hobbies or whatever yeah, it was yeah, that yeah. we talked about. Uh, so we'll, 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 we're going to have something different, but we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep talking about this as long as we're doing it. Uh, but we're not going to do it next week. We'll take a break from the heavy stuff, but we will do an episode. So we'll talk yes, at we you will. next week, every week, every week.